This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Have a listen to this. Have a listen to this. Interest rates are higher. I know people don't like that, but you should be welcoming a stronger economy. Maybe a deal has a point about the machinery of capitalism being oiled with the blood of the workers. The United States is a country that has always paid all of its bills. Lannister always pays his debts. Don't let the bastards get you. Welcome to Comedian versus Economist. We demystify the world of money and help you get a handle on the bigger picture. My name's Adam and we're joined as always by my little older brother and real life economist Thomas and his frog. Hi Thomas. <laughs> G'day Adam. Must warn our listeners out there, do not adjust your sets. We do have a, sounds like a singular frog. Uh, croaking mm. away in the background so you can enjoy the dulcet tones of of nature as we record this podcast with the <laughs> with the uh, impending fear that it might get worse as more frogs go oh that sounds like a pretty good idea <laughs> <laughs> I really like what he's putting out <laughs> Let's get, let's get us some of that. Uh, all right, but let's get straight into it because massive show coming up as always. First, we had a bank run. Well, today we're going to be looking at a milk run. Uh, should you <laughs> withdraw your milk from storage? Uh, when it comes to AI, can we believe anything is real anymore? Like, is AI a bubble? I mean, like an actual bubble. We'll take a look at that. And insert something funny about the housing crisis. Oh, that was a note for me. Uh, there's really not much to say, Thomas. Housing crisis. We're going to be talking about housing crisis ongoing. And why didn't we think? Why didn't we think of filling the job shortage with kids earlier? It seems like such a no-brainer in hindsight. We'll take a look uh, at what's going on there. Uh, we are going to start with AI. Thomas, uh, is AI a bubble? This is this is the question of the moment. Mm. Um, yeah, the big news last week was NVIDIA shares popped twenty-five percent. Yeah, in after hours trading on Thursday, so almost took it market cap to just under $1 trillion. So 25 is a massive move for a company that size. You mm. might, you know, get a little mining stock that might pop 25% in a day, but it's pretty unheard of for something mm. like as big as, you know, getting up. So they make, of- uh, they make the chips, right? They mm. make all of the, uh, they, they popped a bit with crypto when crypto was uh, uh, yeah, yeah. taking off and everyone was like, well, we're going to need miners. There you go to picks and shovels play. So the idea of in a gold gold rush, you want to buy the company that makes picks and shovels. Hmm. Video is the picks and shovels play for your tech but all, all tech really because chips are all built, anything tech's built on chips. Hmm. Um, and now it's a... <laughs> That's the kind of insight you'll get here on CVE. <laughs> uh, uh, but, yeah, but wait, sorry. I've got numbers. Um, <laughs> all good. Yeah, no, so they, so they came out and uh, gave, gave some guidance. The 
revenue was down a little, but it was the revenue, projected revenue for the June quarter for 11 billion, which was 53% higher than the March quarter. So massive growth just in June, in the June quarter alone, that was 50% higher than market estimates. Mm. Um, so everyone was like, whoa, this is going off. And it, like it, people knew that NVIDIA is a good AI play, but I think people were a bit shocked at just how how much they're cashing in. Right. So the actual the actual numbers weren't overly impressive. They were just kind of as expected. Mm. But forecasting, yeah, predicting into the future, yeah, well, yeah, they were yeah. predicting. This is, I don't know why banks focus so much on my savings history when I'm going for a loan. <laughs> I just wished, I just wish that once that they'd ask me for what I'm forecasting to earn mm. <laughs> uh, over the life of the loan and then they'd know that I'm good for it. I don't no, know why yeah. we spend so much time looking at my history. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you're not a trillion-dollar company. <laughs> but I could be. <laughs> I might. Could be. <laughs> I will be in the future. Yeah, but this is only one quarter ahead, so they would have already had sales contracts in place that's going to deliver that revenue. Oh, so okay. it's is, not, there's yeah. not a, it's unlikely they're going to miss by a big margin. Right. For, you know, down the, like if they're, if they're doing 10 year forecast, then you might be like, oh, yeah, whatever. But like for mm. one quarter ahead. Oh, okay. So that's, that's fairly reasonable. So, mm. yeah. So, so the question now, now is like, is AI a bubble or is, is NVIDIA getting bubbly? I mean, mm. the, the sort of the, the no case for that is that NVIDIA has done really well, that they were ahead of the curve. They saw where, um, where AI was going and they saw that AI was going to have need a lot of GPUs, general mm-hmm. processing units. Um, and Graphics so they, processing units, I think you're fine. Oh, is it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Oh, yeah, 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 it is. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and so but they got ahead of that curve and went like, oh, yeah, we're going to start ramp- ramping up manufacturing of this thing called the H100. Mm-hmm. And then they went that went into production just as ChatGPT launched and went nuts. Right, and then and then when ChatGPT went off, that started an arms race where Apple and Microsoft and everyone, including a whole bunch of tech startups, went, "Okay, we want to get into AI. We need these chips. Um, we're going to buy up big." And mm. then, the, so the price of those chips has exploded. They're Elon Musk said that they're harder to get than drugs. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, but yeah, so like it, it, every, everyone's after the chips and they, and can't get a hold of them, and mm. so they got yeah huge demand baked in. And, right. and and basically own the market like all the other they don't have an unassailable position like other processors can sort of other manufacturers can catch up because hmm. uh, of the standardization in the industry but for the moment they they own the market so so they're crushing it yeah okay so that's the no case of like are we in a bubble and the no case is nah nvidia is just crushing it and they're doing well because they position themselves well I heard, I heard someone say it was a baby bubble yes yeah well this is so this is the yes case to that so is it oh. a bubble so yeah michael hartnett at bank of america is calling it a baby bubble which means it's like we're in the early stages of a bubble yeah but if you look at if you look at this year the fang plus stocks which are your tech stocks um, they're up 39%, mm. 39% just this year. The rest of the S&P 500 is up 2%. So there's a massive gap between wow. what, what tech's doing and what the rest of the market's doing. Yeah, right. Yeah so, yeah, so it's like it's really AI and nothing else right now in the market. Right. So you look at the market, the S&P 500 is trading at 17 times earnings, mm. you know, which is sort of less of about average, but Fang's, Fang Plus is trading at 30 times earnings and Nvidia is trading at sixty times earnings. Right? Can you subscribe to Fang Plus? Is that is that a monthly? <laughs> <laughs> There's an ETF you can buy. I'm sure. 
so AI is the new is the new crypto. It's mm. the, it, yeah, it's, it's where it's where all the money's going. Yeah, so there's pitch book saying that this year alone, this qu- the last quarter, the March quarter, there was um, 46 deals worth 1.7 billion dollars in the US, with 10 more with an additional 10 billion 10 billion worth of deals landed but not yet completed, announced right. but not completed. So a huge amount of money flowing into into the into the sector. Hmm. And the point that Michael Hartnett makes is that the last time there was such a split between the Nasdaq and the S and P was during the dot dot com boom and bust. Like it's a really unbalanced market right now. And the last time it was this unbalanced was during the dot com boom and bust. Right. And that's where you saw just tons of startups, like tons of mm. everyone was like, I made a website. Like, oh yeah. billions of dollars your way. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. You heard all those stories of kids starting companies in their garage and just mm, being, mm. you know, we're an internet startup. That's the same thing potentially happening now with AI mm. where everyone, like if you just launch an AI yeah. something, like that band I saw over the weekend that was like they, they they called it the Oasis Lost Tapes or something and I think they're called Breezer is the name of the band. Uh-huh. But they just like took some AI, took an existing few songs that they'd made that they thought they sort of sounded a bit like Oasis and then they got AI to change the singer's voice to sound like Liam Gallagher and then mm. released it as kind of viral content and yeah. it didn't even, it wasn't even that good. I, I'm an Oasis fan from way back uh. and I didn't didn't think it was that well done but mm. I think they've, they're booked up for months now, this band. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, so, but mm. that's right. I think, you, yeah, everything is all going to be about AI going, mm. you know, for the moment and everything's going to tuck an, tack an AI on the end of itself and, yeah, some of those are going to be, be dodgy. But I did hear another in, an interesting perspective that is if we generate enough fear about AI, then that will also bode well for the, the share market because it just creates this sort of thing like if AI can take over the world and do and be so destructive in the world, then it must be so powerful that you don't want to miss out investing into it. Do you know what I mean? Like, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it's your hedge against a, losing your job to a robot. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least I own some Fun Plus. <laughs> so, Thomas, Milk Run went bust in April, but now they're back. What's going on? Yeah, yeah, they're, they're, they're resurrected and hmm. been bought by Woolworths. Woolworths bought, um, bought them for $10 million. Right. And so looked at that company and thought, wow, they're losing a lot of money. <laughs> want to get in on that action. <laughs> so what's Milk Run's story? What, what did they do? They were, they were a fast home shopping. Yeah, 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 yeah. They were, they were one of the startups during COVID of these last mile grocery stores. Right. Um, the, the bunch of, uh, a bunch of them started up. Uber got into it as well. So basically, like kind of click and de- click and delivery kind of uh, mm. model. They had super what, fast too, wasn't it? Super twenty minutes, yeah, twenty yeah, minutes. Yeah, on, riders on e-bikes getting you orders mm. within t- twenty minutes or less. Yeah, they they didn't have any physical stores. They had what they called dark stores, which were just warehouses full of stuff. People mm. filled the orders and um, out out the door they went. But they, it was, it, I mean, it was a it was a massively expensive business model, like. You know, you're running a grocery store plus a delivery business. Mm. Was, yeah, the the numbers were were stuff. Like I think they they were losing as much as thirteen dollars an order in some suburbs. And, what? Yeah, and customer acquisition cost them fifty seven dollars a head. 
<laughs> so it was like just the model wasn't working. No wonder the price of milk was going up. <laughs> yeah. Why is Woolworths? Woolworths interested in it. But I mean, that's, that's the other part of that story. So they 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 were able to sort of run for a year or two because money was super cheap. But then mm. once the sort of tech funding dried up and interest rates started rising, people stopped lending to them. They were trying to raise money to keep going. They got cut off, and then at which point they went, "Okay, we're out. We're done. We can't mm. we can't keep going." And so they they shut their doors in April this year. Right, you know, like a, maybe a month or so ago, Woolworths has gone. Oh yeah, we want some of that, and so they're paying ten million for it. But they're going to rebrand it. Uh, basically, all they're going to do is rebrand their Metro stores as Milk Runs. So they're they're right. taking the brand name, but it's going to be all Woolworths stock, just a Woolworths store, basically, but with Milk Runs with Milk Runs branding. And the thing that the two, what they're saying, the the valuable assets there that they're buying is Milk Runs database. So it had like a big database of customers in the inner city, which is sort of like an interesting demographic mm. to target. So they wanted access to that demographic. And then they had a technology platform because Milk Run itself was backed by Air Tree Ventures and Mike Cannon Brooks ah. and those guys. So I think the tech is quite good. Don't forget the 46 e-bikes that they got were part of that <laughs> deal as well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. For the Woolworths C-suite. Everyone gets an e-bike. <laughs> that's, all, that's all well and good. So Woolworths have bought them. Does, is that just going to mean yeah. Woolworths are going to take over the losses? Like what, what makes Woolworths think it's going to work? Or oh, I mean, I'm I mean, assuming is, they do. Yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to see. They're shifting the model a bit. So they're, you know, they're, Woolworths is going to charge a flat $5 delivery fee. Right. Um, and I don't know if they're going to keep that time commitment. Um, I think that would be <laughs> that 20 minutes. So we're going to charge you for delivery where we didn't before, and it'll be there a lot longer than you used to than you're used yeah, to. Yeah, but who, who needs their groceries Sign in twenty minutes? Like, well, you do if you want little bits of groceries. If you need a bottle of milk, yeah. that's the, like isn't the problem they were trying to solve that whole mm. you're sitting at home and you're like ah we're out of milk I got to go to the shop. But mm. isn't that the problem they're trying to solve to say, well, if I'm, if I'm home, it happens to me sometimes, I'm home, I've got two kids here, to mm. go to the shop to get milk to make a coffee mm. is like I, if, if I can get that for $5 delivered in 20 minutes and I can get my coffee, then that's yeah. so much easier than loading the kids in the car and getting to the shops. Yeah, yeah. But I think, I think they want to get away from that kind of customer because there, right. there were stories of people like buying a packet of gum yeah. So someone's riding over with a packet of gum. <laughs> you know, it's costing him twenty dollars to deliver. You know, one dollar product. <laughs> They're gonna get I away said from peppermint, that not spearmint. <laughs> Back you go. <laughs> All right, let's take a break here. We'll grab a quick word from this week's sponsor and be back looking more at the housing crisis as well as the push for more kids to enter the workforce. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. 
For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome back. You're on Comedian versus Economist. You can send us an email if you like, cve at equitymates.com or via the website equitymates.com forward slash cve. You will also find us on Instagram and Facebook at cve podcast. And Thomas, I joined up for TikTok during the week, uh, but I haven't uploaded anything yet. It's baby steps. So mm. watch this space. Mm. <laughs> if you, just keep an eye on TikTok out there and you might oh. see something <laughs> if the algorithms do their thing. Uh, I got distracted. Thomas, the AFR has launched Housing Supply Week. Uh, oh. <laughs> Tell you what, there are some weeks that I get up for throughout <laughs> the year. This is my, one of my favourite ones. Mm. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, what's going on with the AFR and Housing Supply Week? Yeah, I think this is just another shameless push for corporate interests out of the <laughs> AFR. Yeah, it's a bit weak. Yeah, they're, they're going to run a whole bunch of stories about why we need more supply. Yeah, I kind of wanted to just talk about why supply doesn't work. Like okay. we can't we can't build out build our way out of the housing crisis. Hmm. Uh, but like we, you keep seeing this as being pushed as the solution. So. La- late last year, the Albanese government appointed Mervac CEO Susan Lloyd Hurwitz to lead the National Housing Supply and Affordability Council. Mm. Yeah, Lloyd Hurwitz was the former CEO of Mervac, one of the build- biggest building and builders in the country. So, can you guess what her solution to the housing crisis was? Uh, apartments. Uh, yeah, build more homes. Mm. Build- yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so there's this kind of like idea that. We need to build our way out of the crisis. Even the government's panel has been mashing those two things together, saying affordability and supply. Mm. Um, yeah. So, and the AFL kicked that, kicked their, their push for this idea off this week with a piece by Tony Richards, who is a former RBA economist, uh, where he's blaming NIMBYs, so not in my backyarders, and councils for not not uh, bringing enough supply to market, and that's why we've got a housing crisis. What are NIMBYs? Not in my backyarders. What? Are, yeah, NIMBYs. What, what is that? Not yeah, I get I get oh, the yeah. acronym, but, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but what's the, what are they what are they about? So it's, so it's it's people who protest or resist like high rise, medium density development in their suburbs. Ah, okay. So you, yeah, they've got nice leafy suburbs, and then yep. government wants to sort of put more apartments or whatever up, and then they they mm. resist it in council. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and um, it, it's definitely a thing, but like I think it's it's disingenuous to blame it blame the housing crisis on it. Mm. Yeah, so there's a couple of myths that's worth looking at. Okay. The big myth is that we don't build a lot of homes. Mm. The truth in Australia is that we build a lot of homes. 
So you can look at how many homes we produce as a share of the housing stock each year. We produce just under 2%. Each year we add just under 2% of the housing stock. The only nations in the OECD that produce more houses than us are Korea, Iceland and Turkey. We build build twice as many as the EU and a little bit less than twice as many as America. Mm. So we build a lot of homes. So Mm. this this isn't the problem, like the idea we need to build more homes. Like we build a lot of homes. Like what are we going to be the number one house building nation on earth? Is that like, is, will we have a, is that the solution? Like if, and if that solution, isn't that a little bit ridiculous? Surely we're happy with a, you know, podium finish for home building, like seems, seems pretty reasonable. I think Iceland though are very keen on those little tiny homes that they build. So that's probably jacking their numbers up. They've, <laughs> they've probably got. Are you thinking of igloos? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's. <laughs> no, that, you can't say that anymore. It's not politically correct to say igloos anymore. They're tiny homes. Um, no, igloos are all right. It's Inuit people is the is the correct oh, name. I think, yeah. I think an igloo is still an igloo, isn't it? An igloo is still. <laughs> <laughs> Feel free to correct us. Well, I think. <laughs> If you're tuning in from Iceland or any of the Nordic Nordic countries, mm. um, yeah, we'd love to hear about your tiny home. Yeah. Anyway, so the, so the idea that we don't build enough homes is like mm. it's that struggles to stack up. Yeah. The second myth you hear a lot is that we need more apartments. The thing about high rise and medium density is per dwelling they're much more expensive to build than detached housing. Because yeah. we're like we're very efficient at producing detached housing now. It's like the the big metricons and whatever can throw up a house very cheaply. They're they're super well rehearsed at it. There's a kit. They just bang it up, and it's pretty straightforward. Um, medium density and high rise density is much more bespoke. Plus, you're stacking massive slabs of concrete on top of each other, which requires much more engineering, requires much more support, and is, ends up being much more expensive. The only places where high-rise works is places where the land value is so expensive that what you lose in construction costs, you make up for by splitting the land value across multiple properties. Right. So that so that's why you get them in the city, mm. you know, like right in the in the middle of the city, because the land value is so high. And the further out you go, yeah, that's why you don't see them. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. I never, never thought about that. Yeah, yeah. So developers only, yeah, that's what like the reason we see them only come up in the inner cities is that's that's developer driven. That's the market mm. driven because that's the only place where it's economical to do so. So, and we don't see them out in the, out the outer suburbs because it's not economical to do it that way. The, the price you get for the apartment you build doesn't justify the cost you put into it. So it's, it's the causality, it runs backwards. It's, it's that expensive housing creates a market for apartments. Right. So apartments can't bring down the price of housing without removing mm. the incentive for apartments. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. So yep. so apartments so. can't, therefore apartments can't be a solution for affordability because mm. if they did bring down prices, they would remove the incentive for apartments and there would be no more apartments and prices would go up. Right. So they can't really be part of the solution. Yeah, okay. Um, right. So apartments can't fix the crisis. So, mm. um, and if we build a lot, Mm. So we're the highest builder. Mm. Why is there still a shortage? What, what, what is the problem? Well, the problem is population growth. So CBRE is a, um, a commercial building real estate research firm. I, I don't know the acronym, CBRE. 
they they published the chart saying that entourage i think it is commercial building real estate entourage oh, okay yeah. there you go they used to be a posse but then they expanded <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. After the lead singer got done for drug charges. <laughs> I, got some, I got some new members. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They're hoping one day to be a crew, a full-fledged crew. Yeah, but yeah. for now, they're just uh, mid-tier entourage. You, you run them in mid-tier entourage. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway, that, so they, they published, uh, they put, put out a uh, new single during the week, which... <laughs> Showed that in looking at population growth from between this mm. decade, between 2021 and 2030, Australia is far and away has the fastest population growth in the OECD. So we're population right. set to grow 13.8%. That's mm. there's us, and then there's daylight back to New Zealand at 10.8%, Canada at 9.4, India at 7.9, and then down right. down the list you go, UK 2.8. So we have... And they're probably made up mostly of Australians yeah. looking to get away from the housing crisis. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, bugger, I'm going to New Zealand or Canada. Or something. So 13.8% is, is massive. We're number, number one in the world for population growth. Hmm. We're going to add, they say, between 2023 and 2033, 4.43 million people to the Australian population. Hmm. To put that 4.43 million in perspective, that's equivalent to adding another Brisbane, Adelaide, Hobart and Darwin to the current Australian population. Yeah, wow. So four major cities in hmm. 10 years. Why? Why? Why, why are we going to do that? Yeah, that's a, that's a very good question. I mean, what problem are we trying to fix by doing that? I mean, I, like I'm, all for, I'm very welcoming. I, I like people coming here. I like mm. diversity. I like multiculturalism. Mm. But... Is there a particular, like, it seems like we're really aggressively kind of trying to ramp up immigration yeah. now. Yeah. And the question is why? What what problem is that trying to solve? It's not really trying to solve a problem. Uh, yeah. Uh. Like, it's it's trying to create, it's, it's about making money. So, like, AFR had a piece, like, an opinion piece talking about the immigration, the mm. ramp up in immigration. They're saying business is licking its lips at the prospect of migration reform with few doubting that a bigger Australia is better. It is boosting retailer sales, increasing landlords' ability to collect rent, helping miners and contractors find staff, bolstering the big four banks' customer numbers, lifting pathology providers' testing volumes and filling up mm. Macquarie's IT department. Right. Mm. I think this is the thing like... You have a big population supports particular interests. It supports uh, customer-facing businesses. It supports uh, landlords who own property, and that the ownership of 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 land, in particular, and ownership of land and, and dwelling, follows the same distribution that that all wealth does. It's very tilted to mm. the very wealthy. So there's a big push. So you, so what you have in Australia is is a sort of a political consensus around big Australia. It's called big Australia. On the conservative right, it supports business interests, so they're pro-big immigration. On the left, we like diversity, so we're pro-immigration. Sort of the, where that consensus lands out is we're pro-immigration and we're pro-very big immigration. And so we have the biggest immigration program in the world. One of the consequences is even though we're building more homes than almost any other country on earth, we still have a housing shortage because we just have such, like, we're just growing the population so quickly. And it's not just about housing too, because it's like you think about adding, you know, what's, what's Adelaide's got like seven 
hospitals, 80 high schools, three universities. We've got to add, we've got to add an Adelaide and Brisbane in 10 years. So that means 14 hospitals in 10 years, 160 high schools, six universities. That, that's Adelaide Oval. Adelaide Oval, <laughs> yeah. It's, just, it's sort of just not happening. So that means that... A wine region <laughs> and everything that we'll have to put on. <laughs> Don't, don't even get me started on the number of churches we're going to have to build oh, yeah, <laughs> through the roof. <laughs> yeah, so it's like it, it's, it stretches it stretches the mm. infrastructure, and, and people are already, already saying the infrastructure is stretched. So, yeah. So, so what is the solution then? Right, we, we sort of need to wrap this up. But mm. what's the what is the solution if it's not supply? If we can't build our way out of it, we we stop immigration. We kind of cut that down, or uh, is there another? Why are we tackling? I, think, I don't think you definitely don't want to stop immigration. Like, immo- yeah, okay. you want immigration's awesome. You want to keep that, but I think it is about mm. bringing it in line with, like, the BCA, the Business Council of Australia had an interesting idea the other day where they're saying that um, popula- the immigration intake should be tied to housing supply. So, like, you should almost demonstrate yeah, that right. there's an increase in the housing stock before you fill it with people, rather than at the moment we bring in the people and then hope the housing mm. stock adjusts. And it's not, and yeah. we're creating we're creating homelessness. That's 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 what we're creating with this story. So I think that's that makes sense. You don't you don't open a hotel and then <laughs> yeah, and then just like over oversubscribe every room mm. and and then work out how to add more rooms. Mm. You 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 just yeah, you bring in as many as you can accommodate. Yeah, that I, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. And like we talk like with the latest budget, they're talking about an annual immigration debt intake up around 260,000. That's a lot mm. higher than it has been through all of the 2000 and 2010s. You could just mm. go back to where it, where it was in 2013, 10 years ago, which is somewhere around 130, 140,000. That would probably mm. that would probably fix it. It would probably take a lot of the heat out of the story. Just going back yeah, but to you, more normal normal immigration numbers. Yeah, but you need to adjust for inflation, Thomas. You probably don't understand. It's a difficult concept, but <laughs> We've adjusted, we've adjusted for inflation. I'll explain it to you offline. Oh, yeah, we don't yeah. want to, we'll probably run too, too far on this break. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Thomas, finally on the show, America wants to send children back down the Margarita Mines. What's going on? Yeah, so Wisconsin um, mm. has, has put up a law uh, that wants to allow 14-year-olds to serve alcohol in bars. <laughs> <laughs> Sign me up. Uh, why why stop at 14 why not go younger (laughs) kids out i don't know that kids in bars make sense that's that seems they do love although my kids love mixing stuff together Uh, in the kitchen they love to mix a drink they Mm. have no idea what's in it. they're like i'm just gonna get orange juice and milk Mm. and some lime juice squeeze and i'm gonna dip some sprinkles in there and And maybe a crusket just for some texture. Mm. So, you know, what is it if you give enough, if you give like typewriters to oh, enough yeah. monkeys, yeah. they'll eventually produce a <laughs> Shakespeare. <laughs> Shakespeare. Maybe if you give enough <laughs> alcohol to <laughs> children. <laughs> make a decent margarita. <laughs> make, make a decent cocktail. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, and it, it can be can be a bit like it's a lot of, a lot of uh, bars have trouble with trouble with staff staff sneaking shots behind the bar when they're on shifts. You're not mm. going to get that with kids, mm. you know. Um, 
Because, yeah, yeah, wouldn't be good. <laughs> well, um, yeah, okay, no, but, yeah. but back, to the, <laughs> back to the point of hand. Yeah. So why? Why do they want to do that? Uh, why is Wisconsin trying to get 14-year-olds back to work? Man, I don't know, Republicans. Uh, it's hard to know what they're thinking sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's like sort of about, I mean, they're helping, they're helping out their business mates. They're trying to drive down wage the wages bill for the for bars and restaurants. Um, and having, you know, for, the thing about 14-year-olds is they're cheaper than than adults. So that puts downward pressure. It, like it gives you access to a cheap labour pool, but that also pushes down the price of your existing labour pool because you've now got a cheap com- competitor in the market. So like if you're, if you're a 21-year-old barman and then a 14-year-old comes on earning, you know, <laughs> two-thirds of minimum wage, you don't have much bargaining power anymore. $8 and a pack of twisties. <laughs> But yeah, there's, so there's been a string of proposals like this over, the, like, say, a study saying that there's been ten such proposals in the past two years in Republican states trying to push, uh, push down the the vote, like the the working age, um, stuff in Ohio and Iowa as well. Fourteen year olds are a difficult age to. I, I don't think that's the right. I, if you're going to go kids in jobs, get them get them younger. Get them <laughs> like nine year olds. It's much more. Much more. I think, like, you could get them doing manual labour. Like, if you ask a nine-year-old to dig a hole, a nine-year-old's like, yeah, all right, I'm going to dig a hole. Where do you want it? Sure, let's go. Let's dig a hole. 14-year-old's like, what do you want to dig a hole for? It's stupid. You get all that kind of, <laughs> yeah, all that, yeah, all that yeah. back chat. Yeah, yeah, So yeah. you know, we got to be very careful. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Very careful how we approach this. I did see that they were proposing putting them to, putting these kids to work as cleaners. Ah, uh, yeah. Um, which is possibly the stupidest idea I've ever heard <laughs> because if you've ever asked your child to clean their room, uh, it's it never ends well. Hmm. So it's not going to get up, surely. This is not this is not a happening thing. This is just news or some kind of no. I reckon it's probably crackpot, I reckon, no. crackpot US style. Uh, I reckon it's going to get up. The thing the thing where it gets tricky is it, is it bumps into federal legis- there's federal legislation as well to sort of that, puts, <laughs> that says we shouldn't. Be making children work in mines and other yeah, such. Yeah, the thing where it gets tricky putting kids to work is like it shouldn't be a, about being tricky, should it? Should, don't we have protections in place? <laughs> like we joke and we mm. jest about about sending kids to the workforce. We're mm. obviously joking and jesting. We're not at all supporting mm. returning, like sending kids off to work at that age. But um, surely yeah. there are protections in place for to stop this happening. This yeah. can't be a thing. Well, they're, they're a state, they're like they're a state. I mean, the US is interesting because it's, you know, a federation of states. So the states have their legislation then there's a federal legislation as well. Yeah. So like I think the same that, that uh, the one in Ohio with the bars, that's probably going to run into, oh, Wisconsin, sorry, is going to run into trouble with the federal laws. So that'll need to get pushed. But if then they have, if they have a Republican Congress, then maybe the Congress just changes the federal laws and away you go. Yeah. Right. So... You know what I'd love to see is I'd love to see fourteen-year-olds in Congress. Ah, uh, yes, yeah, yeah. That would, yeah. yeah we'll yeah. see how the debt ceiling works out there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah if you're old enough to serve drinks, you're old enough to if you're old- <laughs> make laws. <laughs> make laws. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Make my drink. Make my law. Uh, <laughs> all right. We better leave it there. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, we really do appreciate you listening each and every week. For us this week, though, that is all from us. It is bye for now. 
You have been listening to an Equitymates Media production. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equitymates Media acknowledges the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples today. This podcast is intended for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general advice only and has not taken into account your personal financial circumstances, needs or objectives. Before acting on general advice, you should consider if it is relevant to your needs and read the relevant product disclosure statement. And if you're unsure, please speak to a financial professional. The hosts of this podcast and their guests may have positions in the companies mentioned. Equitymates Media operates under an Australian Financial Services Licence 540697. The secret to summer-ready skin is here. Osea's number one best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil, clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and transform dry skin to silky, soft, and unbelievably glowing. Its signature scent of freshly squeezed grapefruit, cypress, and mango mandarin transports you to sun-kissed summer days. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code GLOW at OseaMalibu.com.